Hello and welcome to the Raw podcast brought to you by the Sunderland Echo and today we're going to be looking ahead to Sunday's match in the championship between Norwich City and Sunderland at Carrow Road. So to preview the match, joining myself, Joe Nicholson, we are joined by Connor Southwell from Norwich Evening News. Connor, how's things? Yeah, all good. It's uh, it's actually just started snowing in Norwich, so that's uh, that's made it up the last half an hour as everyone in the newsroom gets very excited about that. But yeah, not not too bad, not too bad this end. I think things are, are certainly feeling a lot more positive in terms of Norwich City than they were a few weeks ago. Mm. Yeah, well, two teams that had quite contrasting fortunes last weekend, which we'll we'll come on to in the podcast. Um, but we'll go straight in on Norwich then. Um, just looking at their recent results under David Wagner, who came in in January, it's now three wins in a row for them. So I'm assuming the mood's pretty positive back up to sixth in the table as well um, ahead of this weekend's game. Yeah, re- really positive. And, and actually, if you look at it, since David Wagner came in in, in January, only Middlesbrough and Burnley have taken more points than, than Norwich City. So it's been been quite a transformation. I think we, we're still trying to work out whether this is a bounce, a, a managerial bounce, as kind of everyone might associate to it, or whether it can be something a bit more sustained. I think the, the performance levels suggest it can be something that's a bit more sustained. And obviously, the quality that they have in their group, I think it's probably been a lot of what people were expecting for them throughout this season. So, yeah, opt- optimism is 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 a lot higher, I would say, than, than probably it has been in any point of the season. And, and there's going to be, I think, a lot of belief and a lot of hope that uh, they can they can back up what was a very good win last week with another win here uh, against Sunderland. Actually, their record against teams in the top 10 this season hasn't been that great. They've only actually beat, or they, before last weekend, they'd only beaten Millwall and, and Sunderland. I think, obviously, it's changed a bit now. So, um so yeah, I think it was a fortnight with with Millwall and then Sunderland back to back that people of a Norwich City persuasion looked at as being very very big in terms of assessing where they were for their playoff credentials and all of those aspects. So I think they'll be looking for another positive result to uh, sort of reaffirm perhaps what people are starting to believe about this this group of Norwich City players. Mm-hmm. Just looking at the results under Wagner, so it's one six drawn one and lost two in the Championship. So. And the mood does seem very different to when Dean Smith was there at the end of last year. So what has Wagner kind of come in and what are the main changes that he's made to the side? I, well, I would say I would say there's there's a few things. So he's, he's brought real clarity and that's both in terms of messaging, uh, uh, but also in terms of tactical setup and the way he wants to play. His philosophy is, is very set and it's probably a lot more definable than, than Dean Smith's ever was. Um, I would also say his, his ability, which I guess links to the first point, uh, to bring people on a journey with him, that kind of narrative creation that I think football managers can be really good at and it can be really powerful um, to kind of bring people together. Those real uh, sort of factions of in the Norwich City sphere, I guess. And, and there was a bit of a disconnect between what the fans were, were feeling towards the team and perhaps what the club was feeling towards the fans. And it feels like he's kind of acted as a conduit in between them and kind of pulled them both back together again. Obviously, winning helps with that, but but he was able to cultivate something similar at, at Huddersfield. So the spirit's improved, the performances have improved and kind of the tactical setup has improved. He's, he's kind of got out of this team what he wants to get out of them pretty quickly in terms of being energetic, um, being willing to press teams a lot more higher, front foot football, not too dissimilar, of course, to Jurgen Klopp, who is a massive influence to him in in terms of the way he wants to play, kind of that heavy metal brand of football that that has been that has been tagged. So it's it's been an exciting few weeks. It's been a really positive few weeks. I think everyone's kind of bought into that. Players, 
supporters, um, officials at the, at the club. Everyone seems to be singing off the same hymn sheet now, and that certainly wasn't the case. So I think, you know, if it, Sunderland looking ahead to this weekend will, will be arriving to a very different Carrow Road than they would have perhaps a few weeks ago, even, even a few weeks ago under Wagner. Um, and that for me is what probably makes this game so interesting on on Sunday. You've got teams who are maybe in, in different sort of areas of form, but actually uh, I think it, it it might not necessarily pan out like that. So um, yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. But yeah, David Wagner has, has brought a real spirit, a real unity and a real sort of tactical identity to Norwich in, in a pretty short short space of time, which is which has been impressive. Mm-hmm. Are you able to explain kind of what that tactical identity is? Because I remember you saying the last time we had you on the podcast when Sunderland played Norwich back in August, there was maybe not that identity under Dean Smith that maybe they'd had in previous promotion campaigns under um, under previous managers. But what kind of is the kind of identity? How Wagner going to set his side up against Sunderland and what can we expect from them? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's very set. It, uh, depending on how you like your formations, it, it, it can vary between kind of a 4-2-3-1. Sometimes yeah. it's a 4-1-4-1, but, but also it can kind of be like a 4-4-2 at times as well in possession. And um, he likes to get his full-backs high. They build up really interestingly, actually. They drop Kenny McLean, who's been playing in a deeper midfield role between the centre-backs. So they almost create a back three when they're, when they're in possession of the ball. That allows them to push the, the wing-backs on. Um, and then they kind of have this kind of, if, if you imagine the pitch split as kind of five vertical zones, he likes to attack with a player in each of those zones, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. they, they feel like they have a lot of players in attacking areas. Um, and sometimes that can mean that they really struggle to progress the ball because they've had issues where at points they've only had one midfielder in the, in the centre of their pitch um, because they obviously um, drop one out to build up. So it's it's very interesting, but but also very defined. And I think Norwich fans have come to expect that. Daniel Farker, of course, had a massive influence here in terms of philosophy and playing style and what a Norwich City team should look like. Um, they then obviously went down a bit more of a pragmatic route under Dean Smith, where it wasn't so as uh, identifiable. And it feels like David Wagner has brought it back again. But the result of that is that sometimes you can get weekends where things look a little bit disjointed, even now, because they're still going through a process of changing. Um, but when they've done it, and so far, and it feels like they're getting better at it, it it's been really exciting, really entertaining to watch. Um, but they, they do have vulnerabilities, I would say, when they do play that way, because... They leave spaces in wide areas. If teams get their their transition right, they can counter um, with, with real intensity and, and have real joy there. So vulnerabilities, yes, but I, I think it's almost like risk and reward with, with Wagner. I think he accepts that being the risk because of the way that he visualises football. So, yeah, I think when Sunderland fans come to Carroll Road on Saturday, they will see Norwich City in a very defined formation and very defined style, which certainly wasn't the case under Dean Smith and probably proved to, to be his downfall in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Sunderland set up as well. The last few games, they've seen more of the ball and been vulnerable on the counter-attack. You'd probably expect Norwich being the home side. Um, I'm, I think it's going to be a, a big crowd there at Carroll Road as well. Probably expect them to see more of the ball, wouldn't you? So they would perhaps be vulnerable on the counter-attack, but they've been scoring goals pretty freely in recent weeks, haven't they? They, they they have yeah I, I would say they're they're what I would say is I think they're probably running a bit hot at the moment in terms of of their attacking numbers I mean I don't know if you've seen Gabriel Sara's goal from last weekend yeah. Marcelino Nunez scored a cracking volley against Birmingham they're scoring like really low sort of percentage chances at the moment that that's not sustainable so 
even though there has been improvement, I wouldn't say that they've absolutely cracked it in terms of, of creativity. Some of the goals have been have been wonderful strikes. And, and sometimes they're worth that, digging out uh, if uh, people want to go and view them back, can't they? It, oh, absolutely. Yeah. If, if you if you enjoy football, you'll, you'll love watching both of those goals and you can have a debate over which one is better. Um, but yeah, I, I would I would I would say that, yeah, Norwich are running a bit hot at the minute in terms of that. That's not to say their performances haven't improved and they haven't improved under Wagner. I just think maybe it's a bit of a red herring in terms of them scoring, like they scored three goals against Millwall, they've scored three goals in lots of games that perhaps actually when you delve into the statistics, not that it tells you the whole story, but it doesn't necessarily feel like that is um, that is the result of what they've necessarily done from from a creative perspective. So that's, that's going to be interesting to see in weeks ahead, whether they kind of drag the statistics up with them or whether actually they kind of get dragged down to the level of the statistics, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting. And I think it's going to be a really interesting test because obviously Sunderland lost 5-1 mm. last weekend. Nobody, I, I don't think, would be surprised if they, and maybe you'll have a better insight on this than me, if they came to Cow Road and, and, and tried to be quite, I don't want to use the word negative, but be quite conservative and, and, and almost try and protect themselves after that or you can see it go the other way and teams can come out and, and attack can't they so I guess it depends on maybe how Tony Mowbray sees it but I think Norwich probably have to be prepared for a team that probably is going to want to counter them which is um, going to be I think quite an interesting game if that's if that's how it kind of um, pans out. Yeah I'd maybe expect Sonnen to see less of the ball than in previous weeks for example they went away to Coventry um, two weekends ago and had over 70% of the ball, but got hit twice on the counter-attack. So I'd, I'd probably expect Norwich to see more of the ball than that. But Sunderland at the minute, the way they, they're they trying to play without a kind of, with with Ross Stewart out injured and Ellis Sims went back to Everton in, in January, they're playing without that natural centre-forward. So they almost have to try and pass through midfield rather than going a bit more direct. So um, the style is a bit limited just, just because of injuries. But Going back to Norwich, um, eight goals, I think, in their last three games. You've mentioned that a, com- a couple of them are maybe unsustainable with with excellent strikes from free kicks or or long-range efforts. But um, the two main goal scorers, Timu Puki and uh, Josh Sargent, who scored against Sunderland uh, back in August, he's been out for three games, hasn't he, with injury. Puki hasn't scored, I don't think, since January. So who are kind of the key players for Sunderland to watch out for? Yeah, well, the the one I would mention is is Gabriel Sara. He's he's really come on in in the last few weeks. He's he's so they signed him from Brazil in the summer for uh, you will hear price tags of ten million pounds. It wasn't ten million pounds. It's probably more about six, which I you know right. I, I understand and respect is is still quite a lot in terms of championship money. Um, but he, he came to Norwich injured, didn't didn't learn the language. It's kind of a result of a big South American project that they've been doing in the last few years as a result of Brexit. They they've also signed. Marcelino Nunez, who's a Chilean international as well. Um, and we've seen quite kind of slow, quiet improvement from him. And I would say since David Wagner took over, he, he has just skyrocketed in terms of performances. He's, he's kind of playing him in this really nice role at the moment, which is kind of a almost probably the best way to describe it is an eight, kind of a box to box player. But I, 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 would, I wouldn't necessarily say it's completely in that model because um, he's, he's doing quite a bit defensively as well um but he is he's really contributing not just in terms of goals although I think he's he scored two in his last three um which for a central midfielder is a great return but but also 
he's contributing to attacking phases. He's helping them progress the ball up the pitch. He's creating opportunities for them. So he's definitely one. Um, Onel Hernandez is another, again, someone who's really struggled for consistency during their time at Norwich, but actually under David Wagner has recorded, uh, I think it's technically four assists, but he set up an own goal last week. So I'm going to say it's five assists uh, in, in David Wagner's nine games. So he's, he's managed to get a tune out of him. And that's really interesting because Hernandez ha has received a lot of criticism at Norwich for kind of the quality of his end product. So so he's one for sure. Um, so, so those two were, were kind of the major players last weekend. But yeah, I, I mean, Temu Puki is, is, is an interesting one. I don't think he scored for a little while, mm. but always a threat on the pitch, creates space for people, uh, even if he isn't scoring goals. So, you know, at this level, if Temu Puki's on the pitch, then, then Temu Puki is worth worrying about. He's, uh, he's, I think, too short of 90 goals for Norwich in five years, which is a remarkable return. I think he's fourth in the all-time goal-scoring list. So, yeah, someone who will be desperate to get back in, on, on goal-scoring form. I think there's a possibility. We haven't had David Wagner's press conference as we record this, but I think there's a possibility that Josh Sargent could return this weekend. He's, he's, he's mm -hmm. had a couple of games out injured, so... That would be another interesting dynamic. Whether he would start or not is probably up for debate. I, I would probably suggest it would be more likely that he, he'd be on the bench, but 11 goals this season is is a good return. Um, so, yeah, they've, they've, they've got goals, really, and, and they're finding goals from all areas. I think David Wagner wants to see a little bit more from kind of set plays and from the defensive players that set plays. But, yeah, they've, they've found some more creativity in their ranks, which, again, going back to kind of Dean Smith, was a, a major criticism that they didn't have enough creativity and enough productivity um so he has managed to find a solution to that in, in in kind of the setup that he's he's discovered it's been they did have Kieran Dow playing on the other side to Onel Hernandez but he's now out until the second half of April so they've they've again found interesting solutions it was Adam Eder last weekend who's obviously more normal sort of normally a striker um but it, they've got uh Arsenal only Marquinhos who played there in the last Carrow game and and scored and got an assist on on his debut Christos Solis who's a a young Greek w uh, winger who they signed for £10 million roughly um, in the Premier League in, in 2021, but has really struggled being out on loan to to, to Holland. And, and they cut that short in January because David Wagner wanted to, to keep him in around the squad. So quite a lot of attacking options. Uh, and it feels like they're beginning to get a tune out of them now, as opposed to perhaps what was the case in the first half of the season where they were quite reliant on Aston Villa, Loney, Aaron Ramsey, who's now mm. at Middlesbrough. So... Yeah, it feels like there is now threats from different areas. And again, that's something that, that just didn't exist until Wagner walked into the building in January. Yeah, I think something that strikes me there from, from your answer is just how much options Norwich have. And I think that's probably the difference between Norwich and Sunderland. Sunderland have lost a couple of their key players, Ross Stewart being the obvious one um, in attack. And, and they've struggled to kind of make up for that. Whereas Norwich, I remember the game back in August, they made a triple substitution. I think it was Pukki. Cantwell and, and Ramsey came on. I know Cantwell and Ramsey are now no longer at the club, but they have brought in players in January and, and still have a lot of attacking options there. But have you seen much of Sunderland this season and what have you kind of made of them as a newly promoted side? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Newly promoted side, I think what they've done this season is is remarkable. Obviously, with all the upheaval of, of Alex Neal leaving as well, someone that we yeah. know very well in this part of the of the world. So uh, we kind of know the, the quality that or qualities that he has as a coach. Tony Mowbray, I, I think as soon as I saw that, I thought, yeah, that's a, that's a really shrewd appointment given what he's done at Blackburn, which is just kind of quiet improvement, continuous improvement, having them in the, in the right end of the table at, at, at Blackburn. Um, and yeah, I've been, I've been really impressed because Sunderland, don't, and, and look, let's, let's be honest, they shouldn't, you know, they're, they're a club that's, that's much bigger than, than the championship in my opinion, but um 
they almost because they are Sunderland, they're almost not viewed as a newly promoted side. But actually, mm. in reality, that's that's what they are. And I think when you put it in that context, it's been a remarkable season, um, irrespective of kind of how it goes now. I think obviously Ross Stewart has has been a massive miss in terms of what they're trying to do. We we obviously know Alex Pritchard very well. We know the quality mm. that he has. Uh, Patrick Roberts less so, but he did have a brief spell at Norwich. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not in many ways I'm not surprised because of the quality that's in the squad. But by the same token, when you put it against the measure of them being League One uh, playoff winners last year, I think it's hard not to look at this season as anything but impressive. Obviously, I know I know it's tailed off and it might not feel like it, but there is still the the, the kind of prospect that, that they could finish in the, in the top six. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough test. And again, I, I think the uh, the testament really is before. Uh, this sort of double header is that Norwich fans were looking at these two games, Millwall, Sunderland, as being really, really crucial to their season. Um, and you know, you can argue if that if that kind of means that Sunderland have outperformed expectations or Norwich have underperformed. Probably, maybe a, a, a mix of the both. But um, this is still viewed as a massive game for Norwich. They still want to beat Sunderland and, and kind of keep them at arm's length. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been really impressed with them in the games that I've that I've seen. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that recent results are a reflection of how they performed. Um, obviously, last weekend is it's not it's not ideal. It's one of those things, isn't it? Uh, and I'm 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 really intrigued to see where they end up actually. And and yeah. you know, it's it's a club that I think if if it's not this year, if it's not next year, I think sooner rather than later they'll they'll be back in in the Premier League, which is you know where they, where they belong really. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of former Norwich players there, and I know Roberts didn't play very much. Pritchard played a little bit more. Um, he played against Huddersfield earlier in the season, which was another one of these former clubs where it didn't go too well, and he actually scored in that game and let the fans know about it. But how was he kind of remembered at Norwich? How did he kind of do there? Yeah, really, really interesting one. So the first first time I would say that Alex Pritchard really entered Norwich's Norwich fans' radar, he actually wasn't playing for Norwich. He was playing for Brentford. Mm. They, uh, they came to Carroll Road. Um, and and beat. I think Alex Neal might have been in charge that day. Actually, it yeah. was kind of the beginning of the end. It was beginning to unravel for him. And he he was playing for Brentford and was brilliant that day. And they they I think they won two or three one. Uh, and he was at the heart of it. And uh, I think a lot of Norwich fans, as you do occasionally when a player pops up and performs really well, you kind of jot it somewhere uh, in your psyche as as okay, yeah, that's he's a good player. So when he signed, I think there was a lot of excitement and and. He did. He did well by all accounts. He was. He, he played for Norwich at a difficult time when Wes Hulahan was still there, um, and uh, and they had a lot of creative players by by all accounts. But he did impress in the, in the performances that he played. I think there was a a lot of disappointment over how he left the club because it was in Daniel Farker's first season. Uh, he he actually got quite a bad knee injury in the summer, so so he was basically ruled out until January. Came back in a couple of games before January really began to impress Daniel Farker really liked him and then obviously he he decided that he wanted to move on he wanted a Premier League challenge and that's when he went to Huddersfield so yeah probably probably not held in the best regard here but uh, what I would say is I think Norwich fans have a lot of appreciation for the quality that, that he has and, and did have and still has it'll be interesting to see what sort of reception that he gets on on Sunday I could see him being just completely ignored and and, and Norwich fans being a little bit indifferent Whilst I think he showed quality here, I don't think he was ever. He was kind of in the shadow of Hulahan a bit, who's who's an absolute hero here, as as you will know. So, um, yeah, it will be interesting. He got a lot of stick for the way he left the club. So again, whether that'll impact it, and I, I'd be surprised if he got booed, to be honest. But yeah. I guess it's a possibility. Um, Patrick Roberts not not so popular. I think he was 
he was quite outspoken about how his time didn't go particularly well here and uh and and yeah i, I could see i could see him maybe getting the, the the focus of the norwich fans rather than than alex pritchard but yeah of the two pritchard probably held in a bit higher esteem but probably both that well pritchard disappointment over the way he left and 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 with roberts probably disappointment over the whole whole saga really mm-hmm. yeah well they're two players that we we probably expect to be involved whether they both start um pritchard's kind of been in and out of the side the last couple of weeks roberts has been starting pretty consistently so expect probably him to to start as well but connor we just usually finish by asking our guests um just how you think the game is going to go and just for a quick score prediction for sunday's match yeah i mean the the form that norwich are in at the moment at carrow i think carrow is going to be absolutely electric after the win against mill last weekend I, I think this is going to be a really tough game but i think norwich will, will probably just pass the test i can see it being a a really closely fought two-one win, or um, or yeah, one-nil, something really, really tight. Can kind of see all, all three results if I'm honest, but I think the optimism around this place is probably just leaning me into a, a home win uh, on this occasion, which would be massive for Norwich, as as, as I've already spoken about. So yeah, I, I'm going for a tight two-one win to Norwich. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I tend to agree with you. I think it's a. I think we'll we will see a reaction from Sunderland from that. 5-1 defeat against Stoke and I think they showed earlier in the season that they competed really well against Norwich and were unfortunate to lose that game back in August but I just think as we've mentioned Norwich have that bit of extra firepower up front so I think probably a 2-0 home win but I think we will see a reaction from Sunderland and um, I think they can pose pose problems as they've shown uh, earlier in the season but Connor thanks a lot for joining us on the latest episode of the Raw podcast if you like what we do please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leaving a review. And for all the latest SAFC news, you can head over to the SAFC section of the Sunderland Echo website. Tony Mowbray is speaking to the media on Friday, so you can see his thoughts and we'll have more build-up to Sunday's game. We'll also have live updates from Carrow Road and analysis and post-match reaction from Sunday's game. So once again, thanks a lot for listening to the Raw Podcast.